Hey, welcome to my Travel Ones podcast. Today, my guest is A.M. Davies. How are you today, A.M.? I'm great. How are you? Doing excellent, actually. Having Good. A, having a great day. That's great. <laughs> that <laughs> better, is great. Better than saying you're having a crappy day. It is better than saying that, but what's the truth? <laughs> well, I'm having a great day, so. Good, good, yeah. Try not to lie um, about that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's for me, lately, the days are, you know, when I get asked that question, it's, you know, I really do answer it truthfully these days. When, as opposed to in the past, maybe I would have just said, I'm fine. But now I really try to answer truthfully because of the times that we're in. It is kind of weird, you know, it's so strange that you say that because I've had bad days, <laughs> especially in the last six yeah. months. But uh, yeah. I think almost all business travelers have. So I'll kind of give yeah. give the background. Uh, AM is a, a stripper and a pole dancer, mm-hmm. but you've also set up your own podcast of Yes, A Stripper yeah. Podcast. Yes. You've got multiple things going on, the Queen of Sexy. Mm-hmm. Kind of what, what's the of your background? I would say that first and foremost, I'm an advocate for the communities that I participate in. And um, I consistently show up for my communities in different ways in organizations, uh, companies, or actions, calls to action. Um, And so that's really where I'm committed to like being in the place of. Um, And then all of the other stuff, it's just what I do to make money to continue to support that particular work of supporting and advocating other people in their journey. Is so, it, um, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, how long have you been doing this? Like community work? Well, community or, work, did you start off just being a dancer and then you kind of grew into the community work? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I I started off as a stripper in 2002. And then just as I developed as a person, I saw, you know, that there's change, there's changes and that there's, there's um, injustices in our system. And I've noticed that from a very young age, quite honestly, from just about 10 years old. And as I developed into an older person, I just, you know, I saw that that was something I wanted to dedicate my life to. So I started stripping in 2002. After five years of doing that, became, um, you know, I left the world of stripping to be a pole dancer. And then I came back to stripping. And I learned a lot through being a leader in the pole dance community, which was an infant community. It was an infant. It was in its infancy, the industry itself, when it started in um, around 2003 and four, And I got involved in the pole dance community at around 2003. And, and I saw that as an opportunity to really take the reins as a leader of that industry because it was so new and young that there was just, there was space for people like me to step up. And that's what I did. And I developed a lot of my community building skills and organizational skills by taking on the leadership role within the pole dance industry. What is the, the biggest difference or what is the differences between being saying you're a stripper and a pole dancer? Because I know there's... A difference. Yeah, there. Yeah, there is a difference. Um, the difference is that pole dancers don't go to the strip clubs to strip, and strippers um, don't not strip. <laughs> you, know, so, <laughs> you know, a pole dancer doesn't necessarily strip, and some strippers they do pole dance, but not all strippers pole dance. Right. So in the club, it's not mandatory to pole dance. They pole dance because it's fun. 
and it's tradition and it's what we do. And then stripper or pole dancers, some of them become strippers. Some of them like to pretend or not pretend, but like emulate the strippers because there's a lot of empowerment in that way of being, but they're not in the club selling lap dances or taking their clothes off. There's, they're pole dancing in their house or at an event. So it's the act of taking your clothes off, dancing erotically for a crowd and lap dancing, all of those elements. That's a compartment for strippers. Do pole dancing at home, not taking off their clothes. Not <laughs> yeah, t- totally different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. do, do pole dancers tend to make better money when they, when they do dance? No. I mean, how does that work? How does the, the money part work? Strippers make money. They okay. make the most money. And in the pole dancing world, you only make a lot of money if you're a top dog and you, ha- you get to travel and you get to teach workshops around the world. And that does happen with plenty of dancers. I was one of those pole dancers that did that. But it's a small percentage of, of you know, comparatively to the amount of active pole dancers. Um, whereas in the stripping world, the majority of strippers make a lot of money in general. Not so much these days, yeah, no but kidding. in general. Yeah. Well, that, you know, there's so many things I'd like to ask you about is how, how has the pandemic affected the, the, oh the stripping world and the pole dancing world? <laughs> well, for the pole dancing world, it's affected their studios. Um, those businesses are already small businesses. Yeah. Um, that, and, and, and most of those, the pole dance studios exist because of the owner is loves the activity. So a lot of those studios are built on love, right? So yeah. they're not, they're not prepared for this type of situation. So studios are closing and then, or, um, struggling, very much struggling. Uh, and what it has done is it's built the online community. People are definitely like teaching more online. Like for instance, um, international poll convention was supposed to be in June and now it's in October, but it's online. And so it's, we, in the poll community, we're very, very connected with each other globally and we all have these events and we go and we see each other at these events and it's like being with our family um and so we've we've lost our our human to human in-person connection absolutely and then there's training online which i personally don't agree with because pole dancing can be a dangerous activity to teach and it means that you should have spotters there and you should have mats um, and I'm seeing some training online where there's not masks under them. And I know, mm-hmm. and I can see that there's not a spotter in the room and people are being trained to go upside down. Um, with, if you fall even two to three feet on your head, that is potentially a really, really dangerous situation. And we've seen things like that happen in the very past. So I, I get concerned that everything's online. Um, but it's not a it. conversation in the community. So I'm just kind of backing off of that one. What did you say? Oh, no, I, I can only imagine because I, I couldn't imagine taking a poll lesson online. I mean, I, I don't know. It seems, it seems like it would be unsafe, but everyone's got to make money. Everyone's having to right. kind of speak easy around the, the, right. the restrictions that we have. 
Yeah, and ideally the instructor, which I don't know if this is happening, is, you know, really thoroughly communicating how important it is to listen to your body while you're on the full and upside down. Um, and, you know, ideally what I'd like to see is people do it with a buddy. They do yeah. that type of training with a buddy and that, so they can take turns spotting each other. That's what I'd like to see. That makes sense. But... Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, so let's <laughs> continue answering the question. So for um, for strippers, for stripping, it's been extremely devastating, extremely devastating, because all of the strippers across the country are improperly classified as independent contractors. Yep. Um, and they didn't, the majority of them did not have access to unemployment. And when some of them would apply for unemployment, their bosses would deny, like basically when, you know, EDD goes to them yeah. and says, Hey, this person applies, their bosses are like, no, 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 she's an independent contractor. And they're like, Oh, you're right. Moving on. And then they don't give her that money. And then, so then there was the pandemic, pandemic unemployment assistance, which was helpful, but it was less than everybody else. Um, and there's, there's no other benefits. There's no other safety measures in place. For strippers, medical um, insurance. There's no medical. There's no sick leave. There's no um, uh, disability workers' comp. None of that exists, and these people use their bodies consistently. And and the point I'm making about that is they're opening. They're opening the clubs, and we have COVID in our communities. Yeah. And. There, you know, we have a report of a dancer in one of our states going to a club to work and died of COVID. So that is real. And, um, and because strippers have to be in contact, that's our job is to, is to flirt and lap dance and to be near the customers. And there's no medical, there's no benefits. It really puts them in a, in extremely unsafe position and the club owners are not willing to take the precautions. And in some of the clubs, what they're doing is they're opening strip clubs in the parking lot. Yeah. Well, in Vegas, they had the drive-through strip club. I heard when it first happened. Yeah. And I think, a, and a people strip from, club. yeah, and it's, 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 that's cute and funny to the audience, to the people who are like, ha ha, sexy girls at a drive-thru but think about the person that's working in that drive-thru is she being taken care of nobody thinks about that they just think oh what a cute funny novelty thing they're not thinking about the women that are in those boxes in those drive-thrus are they getting paid adequately are they having wage theft uh, experiencing wage theft and do they have benefits and the answer is no no of course they not. don't and they are experiencing wage theft yes to that um, and so, and that's fine. I don't expect everybody who, who doesn't know anything about the community and the industry to like do that. But you know, when I'm just, I'm bringing it up because yeah. when we hear these things about other industries that we don't know anything about, we're just like, ha ha, <laughs> you know, like Uber Eats when that came out, everyone thought that was the coolest thing ever. Oh, you're sending strippers to deliver food. Well, yes, but. Those strippers aren't getting paid properly for their money. Um, they have a cut being taken out of their money. And they're going to people's houses all day long when COVID is being spread. And 
they're walking around outside with very skimpy outfits on in broad daylight in a, in, and this is a, this is stigmatized work. We do this type of work in private places for a reason <laughs> yeah, because exactly. it's dangerous for us to be dressed like and be outside like that. It's, you know, because we get killed, like women get killed and raped and followed for being dressed like that because our society hasn't learned yet that it's not what the woman is wearing. It's what you do as the action. And so there's all these factors, like when it, when people try to be innovative with strippers, it's like, wait a second, do they have the worker rights that they deserve? And this isn't a funny matter for us. This is our life. Well, uh, traditionally, would, I mean, I'm trying to think back. You're probably not getting treated well, and I don't see a, a community as a whole kind of bend backwards to make sure that it is so it's, it, it needs people like you to advocate for mm -hmm. it. yeah yeah and also i just like to make sure that i do say about Uber eats they weren't walking around outside by themselves they did have a bouncer with them um so it's i never not even like, heard of that so that's that was all. yeah oh okay it was a very popular thing that w that happened up north in, in portland and it was like in the media everywhere everyone was sharing it because everyone thought it was so cute and funny except for people like me or like no that's dangerous in so many ways <laughs> no and they were happy some of them were happy but the thing is and i want to make this point and then we'll and then um i'll stop talking about this subject do whatever you want <laughs> yeah it, okay it's it's very, it's a privileged place to be for those, for the dancers to be in the drive through and for the dancers to deliver the food. That's a privileged place to be because not all sex workers are out. And they, that's why we have these houses where we're safe and we can be anonymous and we can, you know, conceal our identity. And so at Boober Eats, where it's like, hi, I'm a stripper. You're basically saying to the whole world, hi, I'm a stripper. Plus your, their pictures were also in the media and not all strippers or, or sex workers feel there. comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And so that was another way that I saw it as being dangerous and damaging. It's like, you're not affording the same opportunity to everybody now. And you're, so what are you doing for your workers that can't be out? And, um, and so, you know, yeah. Well, it's like, I remember the, um, what was it that the coffee shops that would have the uh not strippers but they'd be in a bikini a bikini bar basically mm -hmm. for for coffee mm -hmm. and that still seems somewhat unsafe yeah i i don't know as much about the drive-through stuff i just what i am concerned about is like um and i'm i hope that they have the safety measures in place that there is somebody monitoring these dancers in these drive-thrus the whole time and that they actually take the dancers safety really seriously yeah. because what we're finding through through the work that we're doing at soldiers of pole what we're finding is the dancers don't often feel safe in their place of work because their grievances are often ignored or diminished by those the people in power in each of these establishments. And so what I, what I hope is that that duplication of what's happening in the strip clubs isn't also then being placed on these drive-thrus. And so what I see is like, man, stop trying to figure out how to capitalize off of these women's bodies. First of all, first of all, find out, maybe try to figure out how you can support your, your, your workforce because they are 
scared, uncertain, broke, yeah. and have no safety net. And you just keep trying to like, oh, well, we'll just do this with them. We'll just do this with them. It's These are people and lives that you're just flippantly, oh, well, we'll just create this thing. Is you know, it, and so that's what I see. Is it different, do you think, when, when you travel? And because you could have like a a, a, a home club that you, mm-hmm. that you may not mm-hmm. work at, but then you also have to travel. Mm-hmm. Do you make more money mm-hmm. traveling or, I mean, I mean, are the guys Sometimes. sketchier with you? No, I don't think it really depends. So the way the strip club industry works as far as travel is like there's seasons in different parts of the country. And so like, you know, during, um, gosh, I, I almost forget the name of this convention. It's like a computer convention in Vegas, um, Calm, in the winter Calmdex. and during, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. And during that, um, strippers go there because it's a great time to make a lot of money in Vegas during that <laughs> convention. Yeah. And then the Kentucky Derby. When oh, the wow. Kentucky Derby is on, people go there. Wherever the Super Bowl is, yeah. the dancers go there. And um, that was a whole big, big match in February. That was horrendous how those dancers were treated there. Horrendous. Um, so... Yeah, it, and I don't, it, it, it's fun traveling as a stripper because you're the new girl. And being the new girl means you often do really well because, you know. The, 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 the regulars time. haven't seen them. Right, they want to try you on. Yeah, yeah they want to see what your lap dances are like. And yeah, they want something new and exciting for a minute, you know. So, yeah, traveling can be. And it, it, it you also have to, like, budget properly. So there's a whole business plan that goes into traveling. It's like. I need to make sure my profit margins are what I need them to be. How much is my flight? How much is my hotel and my food? And how much? What are my goals that I'm setting to make? Well, so there's how, a lot of business planning. How many? How many of the girls do you think actually think that way when they're on the road? Do they, I mean I don't know. The majority that are on the road think that way. Otherwise, okay. it would make no sense to be on the road. Yeah, there's actually a lot of um, of strategy and planning that consistently that goes into our lifestyle because we're constantly hustling. We don't know we're not getting paychecks. So we have to constantly look at our books and like, look at how much, like where we're making money. And, and if we're not making money at this club, like if it's been slow for two weeks, I got to figure something out. I got to go somewhere else, yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And after you make a round, you know, let's say uh, whether it's a, a Southwest round or you go up Northwest, to, you know, to, for for touring, when you're out traveling, are there certain clubs where you go? I'm never coming back here, or conversely, hey, I can't wait to come back, or maybe I, I should stay here an extra weekend. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. I mean, every place is different, and it runs by its own set of um, rules, and um, you know, the money is different in different places. Yeah, uh, definitely, I would say West Palm Beach. I worked as I helped open the Spearmint Rhino Club in West Palm Beach, Florida. And that was, I loved that club. Um, I loved the area. I loved the money. Um, and so I, I went back more than once and I would stay for like a month or two at a okay. time when I would go there. Yeah. And it would just live in the, in the date, the days in or whatever, you know. Well, that was, that was my next hotels. question. I didn't know. I know like some of the comedy, the comedians I've talked to that when they tour, the comedy club of that city will have um, an apartment set up for those comics that are touring. 
And I don't know if the strip nice. clubs do that. Well, uh, if you're a feature dancer uh, or if you're someone who's opening a club for the company, then they take care of you. Okay. Um, if you're just like, I'm a traveling dancer on your own, you're a freelancer, you're then it's all out of pocket. Right. And the agencies for feature dancers aren't necessarily good for the dancer either. So when you're a feature dancer, because they take so much of your cut, um, the agencies do, plus the club does. So it makes more sense financially to be your own freelancer, like be your own boss and set your own schedule. Um, but it just requires more work because you have to make all the plans and do all the details, whereas an agency would do that. It's, it's it's really no different than like a lot of musicians that I've talked to on the show, because yeah, if they actually, set up their, if they yeah. set up their own their own travel, then they get to they don't have to pay anybody. And like you said, you know they can use an agency and they set everything up, but then you have to, they get paid. Right, right, right. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're actually very similar to musicians in a lot of ways. Do you think that's? I mean, obviously, you know, you go back into the Motley Crue days. I don't know how old you are. I'm old, but I'm forty. You know the, um, I mean, strippers were part of the the that glam, glam rocker. World. Yeah, yeah, especially here in Hollywood yeah. with um, Body Shop and Seventh Vale was very like in the eighties. They were super frequented, very popular by a lot of the rock stars and yeah. celebrities and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you do you, do you like the the experiment right the the bigger corporate people? No. Okay. Not anymore. Um, now, now that my eyes are open to uh, the amount of exploitation that they practice, um, no. Uh, now, I appreciate them because they've, they've given us the spaces to be able to do the work that we like to do. Um, however, uh, they've not done enough work to support their workers and the people who they make millions and millions of dollars off of. I mean, just to give you just a, a really quick bullet point breakdown of what's happening and why I don't like them is because um, they, they, these clubs take anywhere from 30 to 70% of the money that, that strippers make. Um, they are making them pay their companies now uh, payroll tax, especially here in California. Yeah. Um, they, they have zero benefits for their workers. They mm-hmm. often are, the workers are often unsafe, not listened to ignored when they have grievances. Um, they are in some places, um, they're being very mistreated. Uh, I'm, I'm being very careful of the words that I use. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because um, there are people that are listening to us and using our words against us. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm slowly, I'm realizing that now and slowing down what I'm saying. Um, but they, they're just like many corporations and their workers, there is an extreme imbalance of power and care. Do you think, uh, here's a question I'd like to ask you. Sure. At, uh, let's say at a, at a, I'm trying to think at a typical strip strip club in the Valley mm-hmm. or wherever in West Hollywood, wherever, how many girls mm-hmm. work at, at a, at a club? I would say like at, in a night. Like no, no. Shift, I mean or... like overall, like if you were to go through a month's worth of payroll, is it 50 girls? Is it a hundred girls? 
You know, because they have different shifts, and some girls can only work. At least, mm -hmm. about a hundred. Okay, out of that hundred, I mean, what is what is the average length of time that someone works as a stripper? Like you've been doing it for eighteen years now. Yeah. Off and on, you know, with the pole dancing Uh and everything else, but you've been in that industry for eighteen years. What is the average length of time? Is it six months? Is it a year? Is it some girls just do it for? really is no average time because we some dancers might do it for a couple of months and then there's people like me and then there's my like my partner Anthony Crane she's danced for 26 years as a stripper and then there's some other people that do it just to get through school or some people to so like four or five years like it's I've met I I can't even tell you and here's the main reason why I can't tell you there are no industry statistics Yeah, they're not surveying us. They don't care enough to know what our averages is or what our careers look like. Nobody cares to do that work. So I can't answer that question. I just think, is, is that yeah. why, uh, maybe that's why the mistreatment happens. My, my wife was a cocktail no. waitress in New York, at New York, New York, mm-hmm. in Vegas for 18 years. But she was mm-hmm. part of the culinary union. So once they were unionized, you know, all the cocktail waitresses, it, it's, it's a different world. It's, you know, the benefits, it's insurance, it's, uh, yeah. you can't just get yeah. fired. You can't, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the mistreatment comes, I think here's the mistreatment. One, it's an entirely femme workforce. And when I'm talking about strippers, I'm talking specifically about female strip clubs. I'm, I'm not lumping in male strippers in this right. conversation. So it's an entirely femme workforce. Um, and the people, the, the people in charge are typically men. There is a very small percent, percentage of women in charge. Yeah. And also the people in charge are also dealing with their own level of phobia. And so they view the strippers through that that background and that narrative that they have in their in their brain. Mm-hmm. That um, do you understand what I'm saying when I yeah. say horophobia? Okay, yeah. And so over the years, decades, for the last like two or three decades, the treatment has um, gotten increasingly worse. When, when the strippers first started in the club, they were getting paychecks. They were getting money every night from the owners, from like their employers. Yeah. Um, and they were also making money from the clients. And then eventually when like things with the economy changed, I guess, or maybe they got more greedy, they were like, well, we're not going to pay you anymore. You just keep all the money you make. And then as time went on, they're like, make all the money you make. Also, we're going to take a percentage of that. Yeah. And then... It was like, okay, we're taking more of a percentage and now you have to pay a house fee. And then, and all the workers just kept going, okay, okay. And for a while we made so much money that it didn't matter that much because <laughs> we were so grateful at the time. Like I was making, when I first started stripping, I was making a thousand dollars a night. Yeah. Easy though, too. Like if I didn't make a thousand dollars, I was, I was pissed off about it. So when I was walking with a thousand dollars a night, you didn't it care didn't bother me as yeah. much that they took what they took. But something that I'm starting to notice now is that the dance 
prices where the client gives the dancer money never changes. It has not changed in 20 years, at maybe even longer. But the longer. price, that the dollar has changed. Everything Inflation. Has. Yeah. <laughs> Inflation is happening. So what I'm starting to notice is, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you look at two bottles of olive oil and you're like, well, this one costs less and it's in a bigger bottle, but this one, and you're just really trying to figure out. And then you look at the per ounce cost yeah. and that, that's for me, what helps me make the decision about value and how much this olive oil is worth is based on the, the ounce cost. So I'm starting to look at how much money we're actually losing now because of the rate of inflation, rent goes up, bills goes up, everything goes up. And they're continuing to have me get paid the same amount, which means my the dollars that I'm getting, the value of that dollar is now lower. And it continues to decrease in value as more time goes on. Oh, it's like I, it's, I try to explain that to my daughters. My daughters are 25 yeah. and 26. Mm-hmm. And I go, look, when I was your age, minimum wage was X. It was like $5 an hour. And now mm-hmm. now it just got up to what, 12 or I think it's 12? Mm-hmm. But it well, was like. In California, it's about 15, depending on how many employees you have. Yeah. But it was eight for a while when my daughters were. Yeah. And I'm like, so I go, the minimum wage didn't even double in the last 25, 30 years. And yet everything. Right health insurance like you said food mm-hmm. gas electricity mm-hmm. everything has mm-hmm. gone up by more than double but yet mm-hmm. you're not doubling up your income so that means you're you're getting less spending money than i did when we were the same age making the same money exactly and and the clubs are also increasing their cut <laughs> yeah. it's infuriating yeah so it's still twenty dollars for a day yeah. for a, for a dance uh-huh. And the club gets $8 off the, shaved right off the top. Um, and then you tip everybody in the house a dollar on top of that. The DJ, the manager, the door guys, the bouncer that floats around the room, and sometimes the bartenders and waitresses. Not every club does that. but It's like, it's like that's how the waitresses had to do it in Vegas. You had to uh-huh. tip yeah. Your bar backs, you had to tip your, your bartenders. Yeah. And to be clear, yeah. this type of behavior, this happens all across the country and even in other parts of the world, man, I talk to strippers in Sweden. I talk to strippers in Canada. Like I talk to them everywhere in Italy and we're all experiencing the same issues in that there's continuous wage theft on a, a very aggressive uh, level. I think that's, you know, but the reason I was asking about the length of time of of Mm -hmm. girls dancing is, you know, I, I don't. I think I would think. You know, if if, if my name's Mary and I'm going to be a dancer for the next three months because I need to get get into college or school or pay bills, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily want to be unionized. I don't want to know. I don't want other people to know that I'm a stripper. So let me just go mm-hmm. do my thing, make my couple bucks, and then I'll be I'll move on. So that's uh-huh. why you. I think that's why. Every like every waitress in in Las Vegas wants to be part of the union because they want to be a waitress. Yeah. And I don't know that a lot of girls that are dancing want to be part of that because it's just a it's a phase that they're going through not all of them i mean definitely yeah so what happened recently was uh the the national lawyer the national labor relations board put out an announcement a few weeks ago that all strippers across the country and of america are 
able to unionize now, even if they're being improperly classified as independent contractors. And we saw an extreme boom in our followers and the amount of people that reached out to us interested in unionizing when that announcement came out. Yeah. So there, there are people interested in it. And furthermore, like we're working with them to find ways to help them maintain anonymity for their own safety and for their own comfortability. Like those are definitely conversations that we have. And by unionizing, you're, you're, you're not outing yourself. You don't, just because you're unionizing doesn't mean that you are waving to the world and saying, hi, I'm a stripper. That's like paperwork that can be done privately as your own business. Just like anything that you want to start or do, because what they don't do is list out all the names of the union workers. Like nobody's, nobody's like, this is who they are, you know? So there really is, there are ways to still maintain that anonymity. Um, but yeah, unionization also has a stigma attached to it. So it definitely yeah. is, it is a challenge, but I'm up for it. Well, life's a challenge. Yeah. As you found out about what, a year and a half ago? Yeah. Yeah. A year and a half ago, uh, December 18th. 2019. Oh my God. 2018. 18. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I, um, I'm an amputee now. I'm a below the knee amputee. Um, and you know, that night of my accident. So I was, I drive a, I used to drive <laughs> a motor scooter, like a Vespa. Yeah. Yeah. When I just say scooter, everyone thinks I was on a bird. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so I'm like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I had like a helmet on, a leather jacket. I was very cool. I had, I made my helmet so it had two hot pink braids coming out of it, like pigtails. <laughs> I was very cool. Um, and I was on my way to a seminar that night um, to be introduced to a program because my goal, my intention was that I wanted to, my life to be transformed. I wanted, I was ready for transition. I was ready to really step into my leadership role and take my, my way of being to the next level. And, uh, on my way there, um, a car turned left in front of me at a green light. So I was going straight. She was waiting to turn left. She didn't see me. She turned left. And my immediate reaction was to turn right. Yeah, to get away so from that her. We, yeah, to get away from her. I thought in my head I could go around her maybe. And so in my turning right, I exposed the left side of my body. And her bumper smashed into the back of the scooter where my foot was resting. And she immediately on impact, it crushed and amputated all five of my toes and the ball of my foot. And um, yeah, really crazy. And I didn't feel it until I knew I was safe because I it was in the middle of an intersection so when I fell off the bike I tumbled a bit and I my orientate I was disoriented and didn't know where I was um in relation to other cars potentially maybe driving over me I was yeah, like okay. very concerned that another car was coming and so as soon as I like I landed on my back and I did like this whole body scan very quickly and I was like my spine is working great and I rolled over onto my stomach 
and started to like army crawl out of the street. And I was going, help me, help me. I knew there were people around and I knew I couldn't walk. And I was so afraid that a car was going to run over me. And uh, as soon as people came over to me and put their hands on me, I immediately was like, okay, um, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm alive. And that's what I just lived in that. I just lived in that presence of, I have my life. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong here. I'm alive. Um, because it very easily could have gone another way. Well, yeah. I mean, you start thinking if you would have turned left, you know, out of instinct instead of turning right. Yeah. You know, it's just so weird. To, Who knows? Cause I, I mean, I, I, I travel all the time for my job. I mean, I'm on the road. Yeah. I, I did a, I did over a thousand miles last week. Yeah, you wow. Know, and you start thinking, and, I, and I've seen several nasty accidents where people have died. Yeah. You know, they're covered up in bags. And totally. I saw, I saw a guy on fire. I was on the way to Vegas. Guy was lit on fire in his car. Yeah, but, that's awful. You know, so you start thinking, God, it, it could have been worse, you know. Oh, 100%, 100. And, and immediately I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to work tomorrow night. Um, you know, and I, I was just like, I knew that what was that, that accident was the defining moment in the moment. And I just let myself go through it like one thing at a time. And I really, um, I'm so grateful for that moment because in that moment I had to think so clearly and quickly about how to be while I was dealing with that. And I really wanted to remain calm and to take it as it was. And in that moment on the ground, as soon as people put their hands on me, I was like, okay, here we go. One thing at a time. And we're yeah. not going to get caught up in the future. And we're not going to get caught up in all of the other things. We're just going to do this one thing at a time. And everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and, um, and that's how I've been able to get through it. And so many of people around me are like, it took a while for people to get that I was okay. I, people really wanted me to be more upset than I was, and they were more upset than I was. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been grateful for the entire experience. And then, so what happened was, uh, so first it was just half my foot that was taken, and they really tried to save the rest of my foot, and they did a, re a beautiful job. My doctors, I have two doctors. And, that structure just didn't work anymore yeah. in May of this year. I started to have a breakdown and I, it was a longer than usual breakdown because usually I'd have a breakdown and then a breakthrough. And so the breakdowns never worried me, but this one worried me. And I, you know, I was on the phone with my doctors and doing all the things and they're like, Oh, you need another surgery. Like let's do a muscle graft. And when they explained to me what a muscle graft was and that it might not work, I was like, no, like, let's look at all of the scenarios. And I basically spent two weeks deciding whether or not to have these people cut my bones off of my body. Okay. And that was <laughs> really intense. Yeah. Really intense. Like, yeah, I went on forums. I was on Reddit. I made a pros and cons list for each one. I made notes to myself of what I needed to do next in order to make sure that I came to the decision because this isn't like getting a tattoo. No, no this is... Which is also a really serious decision. <laughs> this was like, you're cutting off my bones. 
that I now I won't be able to walk. Yeah, like that I will never come back. Right, right. So that May was a very intense month. And then, you know, I was in the hospital during the protests and the riots that were happening here in our city. And I smell the smoke from the cars seeping in through the ventilation in my hospital room. It was really intense. That's kind of a crazy, crazy time to get stuff done. But. Really intense time. Looking at the streets on fire all over the country on TV, it was just like, wow, you know, Oof. crazy. What do you think? I mean, you, you've been through the amputation. I mean, so even if you go back, I mean, as soon as it happened, you, you were no longer able to dance the way you did before, even with just having right. the, the toes and the ball gone. Right. It changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I don't know. It's like, I think of that, what you went through and I go, well, God, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling because of, you know, the pandemic shut down a lot of my stores for three months. So that means mm-hmm. everything got pushed back. We literally canceled our, our holiday deliveries. Mm-hmm. Well, holiday is my biggest season and it's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then I go, well, shit, at least I got all my toes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Do you, think, and do, you, I, do you think what you've gone through has helped you get through the pandemic a little bit better and share it? Perhaps, yeah, because like I lost my half of my foot in 2018, so I spent all of 2019. I didn't have a job. I didn't have money. Also, you have to understand. Yeah. That, like again, as a stripper, I had no. And this was before. Go on. December 18, 2018 was my accident. On January 1st, 2019, my employer officially started paying the dancers as employees, and then they have access to benefits, like unemployment. So if I had just waited to get hit by that car three (laughs) weeks later, I would have been all right. And so, but before that, I, so I didn't have unemployment, disability, I even applied for disability, and I learned very much the hard way that unless if you're an independent contractor and a freelancer, if you're not directly paying into those programs, they are not available to you, even if you're a taxpayer. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I think so that 2019 was such a tremendous year for me in so many ways. Like I really did develop as like a stronger human being and, and a more like a better listener and a more patient person, which I didn't realize leading up to the accident that I was an impatient person. I thought I had all the patience, but, <laughs> but you know, like when yeah. you, when, when you can't walk for months, that teaches you real patience. Everything and becomes even, relative. Yeah, exactly. And even now, even now, like, I have to wait a little longer to get my prosthetic because of the pandemic. And I still, I'm again being taught a huge lesson in patience um, because I, all of my friends during May, June and July were able to dance online and I very rarely could do that. So I, again, am missing out on money being made and opportunities. So yeah. Lots of waiting. Yeah, and, waiting. Mm-hmm. Well, and, but I think it's because you are, you've been involved being an activist for so long now. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's I think it's it's helped you in the sense that it's put your mindset not in oh I only make my money from dancing, you know, or or I'm only involved in in with dancing because you can do other things now with the soldiers of Poland. Mm-hmm. I know you closed mm-hmm. down your um the UP. <sighs> UPA, United yeah. Polaris. Yeah. yeah. I but, actually developed a lot of skills 
Yeah. Besides just dancing, yeah. Do, do you find that to be common amongst other dancers, or are you just a unique yeah. person? No, it's very common. Yeah. It's very common. Yeah, dancing is a job, you know. It's it's a job, and it, and it, we do other things besides that, just like everybody else. And it, within that job, the other types of skills that we develop are sales. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, how to manage interpersonal relationships, um, yeah. uh, managing your own money and really look, understanding and looking at finances. Not to say that we've all got that, you know, we're not all great at it, but we, d- we do learn those skills. Um, you know, how to present yourself, how there's, there's so many things that go into it. We pick our own music. So we're constantly listening for new music and being creative and planning, you know, we plan events and there's so much skills that we learn as strippers. Even your your business travels and your trips and. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of strippers travel. A lot of them do. Yeah. Um, and if they're not traveling across state lines, they're doing a lot of traveling and bouncing around in their own communities. There's a lot of movement. What, what are the negatives of, of the travel as, as a dancer? I would say, you know, if anyone finds out that you're traveling in alone, uh, you could be targeted because people know you have a lot of money, um, like a lot of cash on you. Yeah. I, I would say the negatives, I guess that the clubs just take too much of your money. Therefore your overhead and your expenses can be high because travel is what it is. But yeah. you know, you can't negotiate with the airlines and the hotel room. You can get deals. Do you, I was going to say, do you, do you, do you find that dancers like a lot of the business drivers I talked to on the show, they, they only use most, some will say I only fly with Southwest so I can build the miles or I only stay at Marriott yeah. so I can build up my, my rewards miles or Hertz rental car or whatever. You find, yeah. do, do dancers do the same thing or? Yeah. Mostly like on credit cards though, like with yeah. travel miles. Yeah. We mostly, so like, um, I, I don't know that many that just stick to one airline. I have met a, a, some people that do that, but majoritively it's just, it's just so long as, yeah, we build up the credit and get the miles and stuff. Yeah. That's definitely a thought. I think it's gotta be. I mean, if you're, if yeah, you're, if you're definitely. traveling. Yeah. It's definitely a consideration. Also a consideration was getting like those, racking up those free drink, it, drink tickets from Southwest. <laughs> that, was, that was something that we planned. <laughs> Who does it, right? Oh my gosh. That's too funny. Yeah. Cause I, I I, I used to get a lot of them. I used to tr- fly a lot, and yeah, I would just get these. I just get them. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't drink that much when I when I'm driving or when I'm flying because I like flying, and I have I always have to drive when I get back. So I'm like, yeah, not worth it. Sure, sure. But my wife's sure. like, I'll take them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she she got to yeah. use a lot of my my drink tickets. Good. That's very nice of you. Very generous. Um, yeah. Got to be. You got them on your mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Wait, have you been to many strip clubs? What's that? Have you been to any strip clubs? Oh, sure. Over the years. I mean, the, the um, I, I've always, appre- I'm, I've been in sales my whole life. And so, mm-hmm. but, so when I go to a club, I mean, it's, it's literally been eight, nine years because I got mm-hmm. divorced and went to a couple and then I got, got remarried. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm good. 
but uh, yeah. um, I, I God, this is a this is a, there's a, a a dance club in Toronto, Canada called Whiskey Go Go. Okay. And the dance clubs up in Toronto or in Canada are different, as far as yep, they're just different. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the, the night I went, it was for a, we had a general manager's meeting uh, for we all gathered because our company was based up in Toronto. And so we go there with all the GMs and I was 30 at the time. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go, whatever. Jenna Jameson was the mm-hmm. featured dancer that night. Hey. And Miss Nude Canada was the second headliner that night. Lucky. Yeah. I was just like, all right. And so we, we <laughs> it was packed. I mean, it was beyond sure. packed. And sure. ex- so a lot of extra girls were there because they knew a lot of guys would be there to see Jenna and all that. So. So obviously on busy nights, you want to go and work. And so my boss was with, with a girl pretty much all night and we get done and he's like, I think she really liked me. And I'm like, dude, come on, man. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like you're a 45 no. year old, 150 pounds overweight, <laughs> married father. Yeah. The 22, three year old or whatever was probably really into you, bro. But that it, <laughs> it, it made me think she's a good salesperson. Oh yes, I that. I mean, that's that's you want people to think that, right? Like, yes, absolutely. It's it's an acting job and and, and a Very money much. job. Very much. It's a fantasy. We're selling a fantasy. Bottom line, we're selling a fantasy, and we also sell the service of intimacy. That's I, all it is. I always tell people, like I've had girls say, "Well, why 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 do guys go to strip clubs?" I go because the, when they go there. This is just my opinion, which means nothing. But mm-hmm. when a guy goes there, he he's he does he's not getting nagged at by his wife. He's not being reminded that he he didn't get shit done that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that girl represents his fantasies because he doesn't know mm-hmm. that the un, uh, the unfantasy part of it. You know, mm-hmm. I I had a friend that that worked. He was the manager of the um, I want to say the Spearmint in um, near Huntington Beach. There one? The one in City of Industry? Uh, no, the, what's the, there's a club off the 22 freeway. Oh, it might be California Girls, which is owned by Spearmint Rhino. I don't know. It, this is, again, this is going back 20, well, shoot, this is 20 plus years ago. Anyways. Oh, oh, that's a long, yeah, so much has changed. I don't know. Yeah. So, but yeah. He was the manager of the club because his girlfriend worked with us and she was an ex dancer slash ex waitress and all that, but she worked, you know, so she got out and he was still managing it and he'd come over and we'd hang out. He go, dude, it's kind of a cool job, huh? He goes, fuck that. He goes, you want it? <laughs> I go, what do you mean? Yeah. He goes, he goes, you're married with one woman that, yeah. that has PMS and everything else going on wrong with her life that you get to hear about when you go home. I have 30 to 50 of those. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, never thought about it like that. Yeah, well, it's not a job for a man. A woman is more capable in that position. Yeah. And furthermore, a, an ex-sex worker is more capable in that position because if you want to talk about interpersonal relationships between sex workers working together, then you put sex workers who understand each other. You don't put a man in that position, a man who... Has no idea. All, yeah. No idea. Also, that whole, everything you just said, like, oh, they have PMS and blah, 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 like that that's like that's where his listening is coming from then when he's with these women he's like they all have pms and they're all nuts and that's the background noise running in his head yep. and that's where he operates from 
right? Obviously, because that's what he said to you. So that if he's saying it out loud, then it's obviously going on in his head constantly. Absolutely. And so how do you operate and help people from that place when you're operating from a place of they're not say as PMS, like this is too much. You're not operating effectively. Why do you think that the and, clubs don't hire women as managers as much as they should? Because we're in the patriarchy. Because men, it's, it's men, it's from the dawn of time. Men have power over women's bodies and their choices, period. That is the system that we live in. That is the system I'm trying to tear down and recreate into a new one. And not to eliminate men from places of power, but to, to put women there and to teach the men. And then maybe when they're ready, they can come back into the power. <laughs> but they're not there yet. No, I, I hear you. I mean, that's why I'm asking. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It, like my wife said, uh, when she had a, a beverage director who was a man, that you know, the girls could often go, "Oh, I don't feel good, or I have cramps, or I, you know," and the guy would be, like, "All right, go home early, or whatever." Where when she ever had a, a female beverage director, it was, "Yeah, suck it up, Buttercup, get back to work. I, I need you working right now. I don't care about your cramps." The women t- not didn't get away with as much though with with the the women bosses. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, there are cases where women use their period. Like, we did that in gym class when we were younger, (laughs) you know. But there's more that comes along with when you have cramps in your period and you're in that setting, right? So, when I have my cramps in my period, and I think it's insensitive for anybody to say to someone who's at work, spreading their legs as a part of their job while they're bleeding from their center and feeling bloated and tired and emotional. It's very insensitive for anybody to keep them in that situation. If they're expressing outwardly, I don't feel well because of this. I need to go when you're using your body and your emotions and your sexuality and sensuality as a service, to make money, how you're feeling is extremely important because that's the experience you're going to give back to the people that you're being Oh, absolutely. With. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and women in power aren't necessarily better. My vote is for sex workers, female sex workers to be in that position so that they can truly understand the worker. It's a very unique workforce. It's, there's nothing else like it. Uh, do you, do you why why do you think they're I, I'm just thinking out loud here. Mm-hmm. How much does a manager of a of a club make? Yeah, they make so much money. They make so much money. Really? <laughs> yeah. They make because they're getting paid salary, and then they get tips from every dancer at the end of the night. You know? Now, do they make like as much as the dancers? Yes. Oh shit! Okay. Probably. I was gonna say, because I I know I'll, there's a lot of industries where. You know, for me, like as a sales rep, I make a lot of money, and yeah. I make I make more than some my bosses and some of the buyers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the buyers I talk to are making good money, but not what I make. But yet, they still control how much. You know, what I mean, it's kind of a weird. Yeah, I mean, there are some DJs that make way more money than we do. Wow, like, let's really? talk about the DJ in Vegas. That guy makes probably millions. Yeah, because let's let's break this down. He gets a salary. 
Plusky gets man- minimum tip of $20 from each girl, on, each dancer on shift that night. When I left the scrim at Rhino Vegas, there were 400 dancers on shift, Holy on his shit. shift. <laughs> and 400 dancers were required to give him $20. <laughs> wow. How much money that guy makes? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So similarly, in like California here, right, there's not 400 dancers on the roster yeah. at a night. There's anywhere from 30 to 50, depending on what club you're at. Yeah, yeah. And all of those dancers are required or were. They're not required now because as mandated by law, however, that's not being followed properly, et cetera. Yeah. So I'm just being responsible with my words. But they do uh, also a tip out to the DJ. So 40, 50 dancers giving you 10 to $20 a night, you're making close to it like anywhere from 500 to a thousand dollars just from the dancers. That's not including your salary cut to the dancers are getting around 50% of their money taken out of their pocket. So right now, an average good night at a strip club for a dancer. And, and when I say right now, let's just pretend like COVID's not a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Cause it it's is. Like but about, yeah. yeah. Cause it is. It's about like 500 bucks average a night that the dancer's making without salary, without benefits. Meanwhile, the DJ making about the same amount of money also gets his hourly and his benefits. What is it? I guess um, when, when when you tip out, do you have to, are you, are you, when you get a dance, you get, you get X amount and, and the club, the, the house gets X amount. Mm-hmm. But do, do they still get part of the tip or mm-hmm. do you get to keep the entire tip? So what happens is, is you pay a house fee, then they take a cut of every dance, and then you have to tip everybody out. Wow. So you walk in the door spending money. Every dance you do, you, you're spending money. Yeah. And then at the end of the night, in order to leave the house, you have to spend more money. And if you don't do tip out, you get intimidated, you get bullied, um, or fired eventually. That's a, yeah, it's, it's similar. I watched my wife and I watched a documentary on the sex workers, the teenage sex workers that would like, they, they'll do X amount of, sh- of movies. And that because they're no longer the young new thing anymore, they just get sent back. And, but, and you're like, well, they make X amount per movie, but then they have to pay their rent. They have to pay their car. They're paying their food. They're paying the management fees. They're paying right, for clothes. Right, like right. several of them came back. So, so they made no money. They netted nothing. Yeah, so what's really interesting about that is if you look at the porn industry and you look at the stripping industry and the sex work industry, I mean, people just gobble up our content. Like, they just sure. gobble, 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 right? And But what? But at the same time, there's this lack of respect for the work. And so they gobble up the content, and then they but they dismiss any of the rights of the people who they're gobbling up, right? They're just... And so that therein lies the main issue is this is a societal issue because it's, it's again, we're going to go back to that word for phobia. Everyone's afraid of horse. <laughs> so, but they want to look at them and gaze on them. Like, I'm sorry. So many of us watch porn. So many of us watch porn. If you're listening to this, I guarantee you watch <laughs> porn at least once in your life. And, but at the same time, the jokes about porn stars and the way we treat our porn stars is deplorable. And it, it's just, it sucks 
all in the sex industry, in the sex work industry. Yeah. In, yeah, and we give, sex workers give so much to society, actually. We help a lot of people understand sex. We provide intimacy to people. We, you know, we provide a level of entertainment. Um, but there, but yeah, there's all this exploitation. And the way that that gets changed and reform happens is by the everyday civilian, which is what we call people who aren't sex workers, to really pay attention and to do the part. And, and the part looks like when you hear someone disparaging a sex worker, maybe interject and say something positive instead of being like, yeah, right, those dumb whores. And instead be like, actually, this is what I've learned recently. And that's how we'll start to change the perception of how these people are treated all around the world. I see it everywhere. Well, kind, of, kind of like, uh, you know, I, the, the one girl I had on, uh, Vanessa Demopoulos, is a, a dancer. And mm-hmm. she's also an MMA fighter. She just won, mm. she just won the LFA title, but she still proudly talks about her dancing. She still dances. Awesome, that's great. And and I think that's kind of the kind of like what you, with what you're doing with a lot mm-hmm. of the forums that you're on with YouTube or Twitter or you know the, the groups mm-hmm. that you're involved with. It does take taking it, making it. You know, I don't know. I think a lot. I think a lot of guys think of dancers as either damaged goods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or untouchable. So they just, they, they, mm. we just kind of set it aside. You know, you kind of segregate it off in your mind. Like, oh, she's a dancer. You know, yeah, versus yeah. you're a normal person. You got, you got shit going on in your life, like amputees right. and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but you're still proud of what you do and you're still yeah. advocating for it. So I think that's, the, yeah. that's the good stuff. Yeah. That's also like normal human behavior to compartmentalize people and things so that you can manage your own existence and be okay with what's happening around you. Like I don't fault anybody for that and I'm not judging, but I do want to say that and be clear. Like I say all of these things just so that we can open our eyes and learn and grow together. And I understand that we all grow at different rates. And I also understand that we're all born into an extremely racist, oppressive, patriarchal, society and that we all have to someday figure that out on our own and in our own time i get that it is what it is yeah but you're you're making changes that's what's awesome about it thank you thank you what's what's yeah what's the best way for my listeners to kind of follow with what you got going on yes i would love for more listeners to tune in to yes the stripper podcast I really would like for more non-strippers and sex workers to listen to that show to learn about all of the amazing sex workers that I talk with and the work that they're doing and the art that they create and the people that they are. So I would love it if um, people followed Yes, the Stripper podcast on Instagram, um, find us on YouTube, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. And in, if you want to reach out to me personally or follow me personally, you can head to at the queen of sexy. I'm the queen of sexy everywhere. The queen of sexy.com. Very easy to find. Make sure you use the word the in the front. Um, and yeah, if, and we're always looking for supporters and advocates and allies for our union, our stripper union work under soldiers of pole. And we're on Instagram as soldiers, lower dash of lower dash pole, lower dash um, and soldiers yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. 
Yeah. And, Thanks uh, for having me. Definitely get get the word out. Great. So, all Thank we can you. do, right? Yeah. Thank oh. you. It's been such a pleasure sharing all of this with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll yeah. have to stay in touch. Yes, absolutely. We can help each other's podcast grow. I would love that. Cool. All right, Am. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank and, you. Uh, talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Am. Bye. Bye-bye.